Yo. Morning. It's gonna be it's gonna be a fun day today. I like the story today. I've got something. I've got something for you before we start the story today. Uh, CryptoPunk. But, uh, no, no, I've got something. I, I want you to hear. Something. You ready? Yeah. Today we're gonna talk about NFT. There was a time when very successful, rich people were trying to convince me to spend millions of dollars on a JPEG. And they tried to explain to me that it's on the blockchain and it's one of one and you can see on the blockchain. Who the fuck is checking the blockchain for my JPEG, G? Who cares? Three million for a Bugatti, fine, drive the Bugatti. Three million for a JPEG. People can just copy and save the JPEG. No, but my JPEG's the real one. It's on the blockchain. Look on the blockchain. If you go to etherscan.com, bro, what planet are you on? Nobody gives a fuck about etherscan, checking the blockchain. Even if I proved after all that I owned that picture, guess who would care? No one. Only nerds. It was a circle jerk of nerds. And there was all these crypto influencers on Twitter. Bro, these are the worst people in the world, these people. All these crypto influencers. All unimpressive specimens of humans. None of them have done anything difficult to actually make money. You know, if you want to make money in the real world, you have to learn skills along the way. If you want to go from zero dollars up to ten million I think you get the point, right? Yeah, he doesn't like you. <laughs> I don't know. He, I, 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 he doesn't, he doesn't know you well. You bought, I need, punks, I need... <laughs> you bought punks and... <laughs> Well, I never, I never. I think actually, I did, I did. Who was that was, that was, uh, that was uh, a very smart man in crypto. He's, uh, he's been there since the OG days. Built a lot. He's got a lot of business in the ecosystem. He's uh, called Andrew Tate. Um, so one of the early, early Bitcoiners in 2012, I think. Uh, very good developer as well. So he's a good person to listen to when it comes to crypto. <laughs> uh, okay, 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 okay. Now we can get into the the, the topic of the day. Uh, yeah, is it Scott? Is it the uh, last-minute story of uh, of uh, OpenX? Uh, for me, for me, it is because uh, not only is it the story crazy, but in the thread about it, it referenced uh, some audio that was from our own crypto town hall <laughs> talking to Kyle Davis. But I mean, so I, I mean, I have I have to ask a question. I have to ask a question. Why are we reporting on this? Uh, if we don't know if it's true and if the account that is posting it is clearly an account that is being used to talk to talk these people down unless unless uh, maybe I've missed something and maybe we have some kind of evidence because if we're going to go if we're going to go on hearsay uh, then I mean there's a lot of things that we can talk about you know I have nothing to say what's it what's it no no very brief i'm just curious very briefly what's the story i don't want to talk down on them uh, unless you really don't want to talk i'll tell about you it. what's being alleged i'll tell you what's being alleged okay so mark david lamb obviously also, what, before before you tell him before you tell him what's being alleged maybe just start off by saying who's alleging it yes this is coming from coinflex real which is a brand new uh twitter account which wrote a thread basically that a few very large influencers seem to be the only people it's following uh who are it's got all it. just so, just to be clear this has got 163 followers this, but there so are making it right i, I, we're, I agree we're, yeah, i'm the we're, first one to we're tell you we should talk yeah. we're quite we're doing a crypto town hall spaces about a story that was published on an account called Coinflex, which is a, 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 a account that is clearly ripping off the old Coinflex account. 
And it is, and we're going to do a crypto town hall on these allegations without confirming them. Shame on us, bro. Shame on you, Scott. Shame on you, Scott. Shame on you. We should rather do a show on Bitboy. We should rather do a show on Bitcoin. We're going to be the one who wouldn't wouldn't uh, report on Prime Trust when we knew that it was a fraud because I didn't want to, yes. uh, you know, discuss yes. it before yes. it was it was public. I'm the first one to yes. not report fake fake news, of course. So, so yeah, let's, let's skip it. Let's maybe skip it. Let's have a five minute town hall and have a moral. We have a moral obligation not to report them unless we can actually verify this shit. Uh, specifically, for this account, I mean, there are receipts. The question is whether they're real or not. But there's quite a bit of uh, there's quite a bit of quote unquote evidence in the thread, including uh, blockchain transactions, emails. I've seen a million threads. I've seen a million threads. Yes, we can verify them. I don't think we should report on it. I mean, it's just I just think it, it's it's Brian, yes, I've, got, I've got something you can use if you want it. Yes. There you go. I've got. Um, the comment that um, Roger Ver shared with Coindesk, um, the thread that was shared with Coindesk that isn't published yet. Okay. I can share that if you like. Yeah. I'm not going to read it. I'll read it out. I'll just share it. Who do you want me to DM it to? Uh, DM it to me. I haven't even read, to be honest, I haven't even read this thing. I was just surprised that I started doing my show. And when I got back from my, uh, I saw that this was the headline of our thing. And I was like, is this a real story? Or are we actually basing it on one random tweet from one account that has 163 followers? You should, you should read it. I'm, uh, I'm not saying it's true or not, but you should read it. No, I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm definitely going to read it. I'm definitely going to read it. Because now, you, now you've perked my interest. Well, I mean, there are a lot of facts in it. Uh, of course, the allegations are not fact, but I mean, we all obviously know. What happened, that, uh, guys? Guys, Flex what happened? Token open X token. What happened to Carl Davies and Sue? Um, are there? Because I know one of them um, was arrested. We, we called Sue for comment, but he's in jail, and he he's still in jail, wasn't he? Okay, hold on. He's, I don't know. Hold on. Remember, they gave him three months. I have no idea if he is or not, but they picked him up in Singapore within the last. I remember that one because it happened. Yeah, we, we talked about it in our space. But what about his his partner Sue? Um, was he was is he still on the, on out of jail or what's happening? Kyle, Kyle, Kyle's not in jail. Kyle Susan Davies, jail. Susan jail. Kyle, okay, Kyle Davies is not. Susan jail. Okay, interesting. Thomas, mm. Kyle, Kyle is avoiding jail by staying conveniently out of that country at the moment. Hey, so if you if you want to go through it, you could say what what Rand said. This is a complete allegation on a random Twitter account, um, but I'll I'll put my reputation behind the message I just sent you was what Roger Ver shared with Coindesk. Um, I'll read it out, but I would read it out, but it seems like it's a very, very, very long message, right? It is, yeah. yeah. So that's what we yeah, know. I mean, what's a TLDR, Simon? Uh, someone did someone do the story. I don't want to do the story because I'm just reading it as we go. I haven't, I haven't got enough information on it. Well, can I get uh, some background here, guys, just a little bit? Uh, yeah, can I like give the five? Can yeah. I give the five second TLDR of what's being alleged, and we don't? Yeah, I still, to, I still have no idea what's happening. This is what, okay, here, here's what the here's the TLDR on what the tweet thread from CoinFlex Real, which we all admit just uh, arrived today and could be complete bullshit, is saying. We've uncovered evidence to show how CoinFlex.com founder Mark David Lamb and Zusu and Kyle Davies of 3AC use creditor assets as their personal piggy bank. We owe it to the industry to take out the trash. Our fight starts today. Okay, basically what's being alleged very quickly is that there was a plan in place, obviously, 
uh, for CoinFlex creditors. We all know that CoinFlex effectively went under because of a massive unsecured loan to Roger Veer, who Simon is aptly pointing out, uh, has commented now to Coindesk, which we have in our DMs. So they were going to restructure. That's the gist, right? Everybody, 98% vote from creditors had passed. They, they were going to restructure. <laughs> then what happened is effectively, and which Kyle openly said on our very Twitter spaces, that CoinFlex became OpenX. The problem there is that uh, Suzu and Kyle Davies had nothing to do with CoinFlex, and that was not voted on and not a part of, to my understanding, that settlement. So I'm not giving the entire story. And then- uh, He didn't say that. He said the CoinFlex token became the OpenX token. On a one-for-one one exchange, and that was none and of that so went what? back to the creditors as per and the plan. And then, and and what you had to do was you had to swap your tokens, or you could just continue to hold your CoinFlex tokens. You had a, you had an option, Is there and if you continue to hold your CoinFlex token, can you hear me? I can hear you fine. Yeah, um, uh, the CoinFlex token became OpenX token, and holders were given a choice as to whether they wanted to participate or didn't want to participate. And those that didn't were left with the CoinFlex token, and those that did got a, uh, if it was one-to-one, -one, but they got a certain ratio of the, the new token. That's what happened. Thomas, okay. yeah, just I can add some color here, guys. I mean, CoinFlex went through a Seychelles prepackaged bankruptcy with 98% of, uh, of the creditors voting in favor of it. You know, I had, you know, sort of informally helped Mark think through the process and, and get that plan sort of, geared up and, and stuff like that but of course he did the heavy lifting and they had able counsel what's being alleged which i have been able to confirm um now there's still allegations and it's it's you know it's the version of the story the person's putting out the tweets but it is from a real person that has real information which is the plan didn't contemplate some of the things that were done post confirmation and that the idea is that mark unilaterally without board support which is supposed to be made up of creditors from CoinFlex made decisions that they don't think, you know, they think that are tantamount to take, to basically turn taking the assets, quote unquote. Does that make sense? So it's, yeah, and that's exactly what this thread is yeah. saying. And that is exactly what this thread is saying. You said that in a much more informed manner, uh, obviously than I did when trying to paraphrase a, a thread that came out 20 minutes ago. Just to get the disclosure, so, so Thomas, you you worked on the deal. Were you were you a creditor? Or? No, I was not a creditor. I had reached out to Mark to try to help uh, figure out the. the it, it had been public that him and Roger were having a little bit of a dispute over, you know, who owed money to whom and who was liable for what. And I helped him basically think through uh, the best way to try to restructure, and we tried to see if we could get some sort of mediation or something done. Those third discussions broke down, but of course I stayed in touch with Mark and subsequently, you know, had, you know, very rough conversations around OpenX, but we never really got involved. So that was kind of how I came close to it and learned about it. And, uh, you know, these, these are allegations and it's a person's version of the facts, but that those are the, the kind of thoughts is, that he basically right. settled and, the, and the, suit, the lawsuit with Roger yeah. unilaterally without board consent and for the benefit of potentially non-creditors, uh, which is kind of like in violation of potentially the court-confirmed plan. And the same thing's true with potentially the cash that was in the company. It was sort of used for gains that had nothing to do with creditors um, or that would have been the, the beneficiaries of it. Does that make sense? Or the people that actually right. owned it. And, and that is effectively what's being alleged here. And, and um 
you know, to, to sort of just continue on very, very quickly with the, with the broad strokes, they, of course, uh, quoted what we, we had said here, but that then the group of uh, 3AC and Mark basically went on, they're saying, uh, to use it as, they quoted a piggy, piggy bank, 3AC liquidation-related legal fees, the OpenX World Tour, a hiring spree to build OpenX and pay themselves exorbitant salaries, and a Dubai photo shoot costing $31,500. You guys have all seen that uh, very poorly lit photo clearly taken on a flip phone, maybe by Stevie Wonder that uh, has been posted of the three of them over and over again that allegedly cost $31,000. And what they do also say here, and you can't necessarily connect these things, but we do know that once OpenX was started uh, and everything theoretically transferred over from CoinFlex, that that's when VARA, the regulators, got very interested in OpenX, started sending them fines. And then there's an email in this thread, which once again, who knows, it seems like it's real, but you never know. It is basically with, uh, with Mark saying that uh, Sue, Kyle, Leslie, and I have received some fines each for 200,000 AED. Can we please expense these and have them paid to us in USDT? You could use the address below for Leslie's and mine's reimbursement. So that effectively is saying that they were using CoinFlex creditors' money to pay their own fines for OpenX against to, to the regulators in the United Arab Emirates. It goes a lot deeper than this. There are coin, you know, there are EtherScan transactions and such that uh, influences were paid with creditor assets to continue pumping Ox. The founders took proceeds from the sale of creditor assets to pump up the same tokens they had just sold OTC. Excuse, it goes on and on and on with plenty of emails. But dude, anybody can make an email. Uh, Look, uh, look, look like a real email. But that—that's what the—that's what they've got there, Rand. I mean, perhaps we shouldn't be reporting on it. I don't know, but uh, seems like a meaningful story to at least say it's out there. And Rand, I think in the last space you said you were an investor in OpenX. Was that a token or shares? No, no, I, mean, I have tokens. I, as I as I disclosed, I do hold some tokens. Not not a lot, but I, I still have a in, position in the old the old like flex or the new ones. Well, I swapped my flex for OpenX. Okay. Simon, now can you give us the TLDR without us having to read this? Uh, I haven't read it yet. I just know that um, I, that it came. It was CoinDesk asked for a version of events, and and that is what I can say it is. Um, yeah, so, so I haven't read it. This is yet. basically Roger Veer saying that he couldn't comment on these points because it was ongoing litigation in Hong Kong, as I'm reading it here. And in Hong Kong, you're not allowed to discuss a case. But he's the claim here is, as Roger says, I started the arbitration against CoinFlex in, CoinFlex in June 2020, seeking $200 million in damages. I was the plaintiff, not CoinFlex. CoinFlex was the defendant and only later filed a counterclaim for $84 million. The arbitration was in Hong Kong, where the law is clear that the arbitration is required to be kept confidential. Despite this, Mark Lamb, CoinFlex's founder and CEO, broke confidentiality to intentionally misrepresent to the entire world that CoinFlex was the plaintiff and give their side of the case. I was forced to remain silent and pursue the case on the merits while Mark was taking out press releases. I then took out and obtained an injunction against Mark CoinFlex to restrain further breaches of confidentiality. So the claim here is that we were all sold a false bill of goods from the very beginning, that it was based on Roger Veer's hole that CoinFlex had to shut down and that actually Roger Veer was suing them for more money. Correct? That's the that's the gist here. So uh, God, this is going to be one of those things that's going to take a long time to unpack, well, I would say. I mean, 
as a as someone that like tried to help out with the restructuring and, and does you know basically restructuring to bankruptcies, it'd be interesting to know like what was actually disclosed to creditors, like what did they know and when did they know it, and you know kind of because you know you, you you use information to basically get compromises from creditors, you know there are you, you know you have to you know, you're making representations to the court, and so it'll be interesting to know as this unfolds like what you know what actually happened, what the fact patterns really were. Um, but I can understand why someone would take to Twitter for this. I mean, it really is something to be done through courts. Um, but it is an interesting take to hear from Roger in terms of his viewpoint, which is, uh, I mean, I remember when this stuff was public, it was Roger was my understanding from, I think the public reports was that he was along a lot of uh, Bitcoin cash, you know, basically lost a lot of money trading. And then, uh, this, this arbitration is part of the, the agreement, like with a lot of, you know, financial brokers, you'd have an arbitration clause. So it'll be interesting to see as it unfolds. But I think most of this will have to be done in the courts. Yeah, interesting. I guess we'll move on because uh, we'll, we'll wait until we have more on the story here. Uh, we have quite a few topics, actually, that we want to discuss. Obviously, um, we have some great market analysts here. Uh, Toby, I see you raise your <coughs> hand. Did you want to add something to that? Yeah, I mean, I think that the bigger story here is like where this space is going to be heading because of you know things like that and celsius and BlockFi and all of those um companies that just went under you know you're having like the etf and everything coming out in the u.s but you're also seeing binance and other crypto exchanges getting kind of kicked out of the u.s and europe and stuff but you you know where's this heading i see banks kind of taking over the space uh, especially, uh, or I should say, the centralized part of this space, because I mean, th- people are going to view them as safe, you know, secure, and that they're just they're not going to trust the crypto boys like you know Binance or whatever. They're going to trust big banks now, so it's kind of going to lead into that. That's just my my thoughts on on where we're heading in the future. Yeah, I'd say more um, personally, I I wouldn't really use a bank to transact in crypto because I just think as soon as I get my funds in there, they're no longer my funds. Um, You know, they uh, will have withdrawal limits on everything you do. Um, So personally, when you you do it at scale, like personally, I wouldn't. But I, I can see why a lot of people would into the future. But the reality is we're just going through regulating everything. So those that committed shenanigans in the past that when they become regulated, it exposes what they were up to are either being taken down as criminals, restructuring and deciding to implement better practices in order to protect their customers and meet compliance, um, or they're applying for new licenses and starting as they mean to go on, or you're a bank that's going to acquire your your way in. But the banks at the moment, you know, they'll they'll continue doing what what they continue to what what they're doing but um i don't i don't necessarily think it's a bank takeover industry i think you'll see companies like coinbase thrive and others come along and try to compete with them and more and more public companies more and more transparency um better regulations and just um companies like binance i think over time will just become a lot smaller um because i agree a lot of things i agree I agree. And I think the sooner finance can become smaller, the better it is for the industry, the safer it is for the industry. And the less worried we need to be of all these regulatory attacks that are currently happening on Binance, even though we haven't heard one for the last week or so, 
Um, I mean, they, they, you, you know, the hits keep coming. But I want to pivot the discussion to uh, actually the same publication that usually is responsible for all the attacks on Binance, and that is uh, the Wall Street Journal. Because what we had is we had the, the Wall Street Journal publish an article. In that article, they quoted uh, a piece from, I think it's called Elliptic Research. Or, and in that piece, they specifically quote the fact that Hamas was um, um, responsible. Well, Hamas managed to raise around $130 million using crypto. That Wall Street Journal piece spurred Elizabeth Warren to write a letter to Congress and circulated saying that we, we need tighter controls around uh, crypto because of the ability of Hamas to raise $130 million for this, for this, uh, uh, for this, for, for their attack against Israel, etc. Then what happened was elliptic or ecliptic. I, I don't have the name in front of me, but they withdrew their their report or they corrected their report. And actually, what they said in the report was that Hamas actually hadn't raised that much money, and that they actually turned away from crypto to raise money. And now there's a lot of pressure from a lot of players in the industry, like Nick Carter, uh, Brian Armstrong, and a whole lot of other players, to say, look, you know. Uh, Wall Street Journal, please retract your uh, your article, or at least correct your article. And the Wall Street Journal is still fighting back. And I, I guess the big question is whether the Wall Street Journal is actually working with uh, Elizabeth Warren um, hand in hand to take down crypto. I mean, we, we've seen them publish hit pieces on, um, it's called elliptic research. We've seen them publish hit pieces on Binance. We've seen them publish hit pieces on crypto. They haven't really been very crypto friendly. And now it's maybe potentially starting to make sense. So I wonder if anybody's got any comments or feedback, if anybody's seen the, the articles floating around. Yeah, this is um, kind of the story of, you know, uh, stay on crypto, but exactly what we've been experiencing over the last few weeks, the atrocities of a headline that then goes out of control on social media, gets debunked on social media, but the damage is already done and it's gone viral and everyone knows that to still be the truth. I think we've experienced a lot of that and I've never been more shameful, shamed of some of the things that we've seen. Um, but I think, you know, if, if the Wall Street Journal did publish that, you know, are these media outlets funded by, you know, greater financial players that um, push forward an agenda? I think it's obvious. I think it's clear. I think all of us know that. Um, and so this has been the story of Bitcoin. Now, the interesting thing is that, you know, committing crime, while it's very hard to detect when someone does it through crypto, you do create an immutable record of your crime. And we have seen with things like Bitfinex that eight years later, uh, that is actually used to capture the person that stole. Um, and so, you know, I, I believe that someone might think it's a good idea to use crypto, but an exchange is already regulated to all of the anti-money laundering regulations. And that is global. That is 100% global. Every single um, company that is engaging in fiat or crypto-to-crypto -crypto transactions has to have a very robust anti-money laundering program and meet those requirements. And so if they're not really being fulfilled or they're not, you know, they're in breach, they're in breach of that, then... You know, that's, uh, th that's not a regulatory failure at the moment. That's just them not complying with their obligations. So what needs to change? Um, the, the regulations are already there. So then suddenly we get a message from FinCEN 
that uses the fear, you know, the headline of, all right, what does everyone care about right now? Well, obviously they care about terrorism, let's connect it to crypto, and then let's push in a military spending bill that requires KYC on every stablecoin transaction while everyone's in a panic trying to pay uh, for the atrocities that they're kind of scared of right now. And then FinCEN comes along and says, let's get ultra, ultra aggressive and add um, some additional things that would really hinder the industry. We've seen this before. It's been the story of our industry. It's been the story of what we've seen over the last few weeks. Um, and I think people are getting wiser to it. And thank God for Twitter spaces and Rumble and all these places where people actually get to see an alternative um, and, and get to be, these things get to be debunked in real time. And I think traditional media are really starting to experience that these types of things discredit them, but they still seem to get away with it. Tom? Yeah, so I think, it, you know, if anyone who's looked even a little bit at the technology of crypto and understands how it works, you realize that it's not only a bad technology for money laundering, it is literally the worst technology for money laundering and crime and funding terrorism because it's traceable, as Thomas said. So like, if you took four seconds to understand this and for all of the flaws of Elizabeth Warren and all of them, I, you know, I just can't wrap my head around them being that stupid, right? It has to be the agenda they're trying to push and it has to be for underlying reasons that they can get funding because this is the current cause on the table. Why is that? Is it because FTX is back in the news? Is it because of all the issues we've had over the past two years? Probably. So, yeah, I think we got to just keep taking out the trash and these things will probably fall by the wayside and maybe we'll come on the other side. And I think a lot of us are really hopeful that the recent House Speaker vote would have had a pro-crypto person, um, whether it be McHenry or, or otherwise, come into to power. Um, that obviously was not the case. But now we have... Um, you know, this new gentleman who, who came in and he's a strict constitutionalist. So there's certainly a lot of drawbacks to that, depending on your you know societal views. But what that means is, right, he's going to advocate for states' rights and smaller government, which is, is really good for a lot of the things that crypto means. And it means that a lot of omnibus bills and big bills that could have punitive regulations for crypto are unlikely to get passed through at least the House this time. So... Well, I, I guess I'll take the small wins there, but you're, I think you're really unlikely to see, despite this new elliptic report, um, a lot of the people who, I think it was 100 different House representatives who signed um, who signed that letter that basically uh, you know, said this funding for Hamas uh, through crypto is, is garbage, blah, 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 are, are going to walk it back. Even if there's a retraction from the Wall Street Journal, I, you know, I, I really find it hard for them to walk it back because they can just say $450,000. <laughs> Is $450,000, right? And that the principle still stands. They're not going to change their tone on this because it's a narrative uh, not based in fact. So, so they don't need to, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I want to read you something. I want to read something that was written by Autism Capital. It says, amplifying this for attention. Carter has brought to public attention that the Wall Street Journal has been publishing articles purporting that Bitcoin and crypto is being used by Hamas in an attempt to build an anti-crypto narrative by linking it to terrorism. The amount of money they quoted was based on source called Elliptic that inaccurately claimed that Hamas raised 130 million in crypto. Thanks to pressure by Nick Chainalysis, etc., Elliptic published a retraction when it turned out that the amount of crypto used by Hamas was actually 450k, not 130 million. 
The Wall Street Journal, instead of retracting their statement, doubled down and refused to publish an update correcting the record. This matters because Elizabeth Warren used an accurate $130 million to write a letter to Congress asking them to crack down on crypto, using the Wall Street Journal article as her own resource where she quoted data. Now that Elliptic has changed their statement, the, the Wall Street Journal should publish an update, but they currently have not. We speculate because it hurts Elizabeth, Warren, Elizabeth Warren's false narratives. You can read more about it in Nick Carter's page. So, I mean, I guess that's, that's the, the, the summary of it. Um, and I, I mean, at some point, we should maybe hold Wall Street Journal accountable here, or, or do they just get away by, of publishing an article like this Elizabeth Warren does what she does with the article, gets a letter signed, and then we all move on and, and keep smiling. How, how does that work? And Rand, can I say this has already had real-life impact. We have um, team members that are in Israel, and uh, they're already being, like, you know, being accused of funding terrorism for being involved in the Bitcoin industry. And as soon as you say anything in Israel about that, um, you know, he, he already gets people that just immediately link it to uh, funding Hamas. So this really already has real world, incredibly damaging impact. And if it were true, it's true. You know, if someone's using if someone's using this this tool to do it, then they're using this tool to do it. But this is a real tragedy of, of how our of how the world works right now. And we should use everything we have in social media to you know, call it out when, when it's been debunked because it's really damaging. And this is why the alternative media really needs a voice as big and um, to be able to combat that. But the damage is done. The people just see the headlines. They already make the assumption. It's locked in their brain from then on in. And you've got an uphill battle to try and reverse it. I, I want to jump in really quick. Um, first off, I mean, in 2019, I renounced my U.S. citizenship because I knew where this space is heading in the United States. I, just, I didn't want to have any part of their rules and regulations. It was a joke. And you know they hate crypto. The U.S. government hates crypto. And let me go this far. Uh, you, might, you guys might not know this, but The Guardian 2012, uh, $881 million uh, HSBC had moved for the drug cartels. And they actually made their tellers so big, they had to actually enlarge their windows to keep all that cash in there. So these guys are going to hate on crypto as much as they can. Uh, my suggestion is ignore them. You know, the rest of the world is going to adopt it. Whether the U.S. just continues hating it, that's, that's their deal. Yeah, but can you imagine if that HSBC story wasn't actually true, what the consequences would be? And of course it would have been redacted. And to be fair, I don't. I, I despise the woman, but Elizabeth Warren also has uh, un, uh, unfavorable things to say about those big banks. I'm sure she's getting money from them on the other side. But like, I, I don't think the story is the what. Of, I, I agree with you, Toby, and I love to point to those things myself. But it's a bit of whataboutism, right? It doesn't really matter. We always do it. I do it myself. Talk about how the dollar is the most used asset for funding any of these things, and. Bitcoin is just agnostic technology. But I mean, listen, if there is significant terrorist funding happening through crypto, which clearly in this case it's not, I think everyone agrees that uh, we should take the steps to stop that. That's not really the point. I think the point, is, and that should be the case with dollars or anything else, the point is just that it's a narrative and doesn't they don't need any facts. They're just going to keep perpetuating this narrative in my mind. Julio. Yeah, and it's already a legal yeah. requirement <laughs> with all the same consequences of a bank. That's right. 
Um, but that's right. It's, it's, it, I mean, he's right. It's it's absurd. We've seen the, the level of fraud. I mean, J.P. Morgan, Wells Fargo, all these banks—they pay billions a year for things like this. Every isn't there year. a bill? Isn't there a bill currently being proposed by FinCEN? I don't know if it's a bill or a rule. I'm very confused by the U.S. legal system. But isn't that isn't the timing very coincidental that that bill, which has a whole lot of limitations on um, self-hosted wallets, um, being presented right now? With I mean, it just it just feels that awfully coincidental to me. Does anybody know anything about the bill? I don't. Not specifically. So, what, the, mili- um, the military funding bill? No, hold on. I don't know if it's a bill or, 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 or just give me one second. I'm going to try and find us uh, something something about it. I think Lynn Alden, Lynn Alden posted something about it a few days ago. Uh, yeah, I believe there's a, fin, there's a FinCEN consultation um, for, proposed, for proposed. I think they, they require comment on that. And then there's um, the stablecoin KYC thing that's being shoehorned into the military spending bill. Um, and if if it weren't for you know the whole uh, the the house issue, um, that probably would have been shoehorned through in in the height of the emotion of what people are being mm. told they need to worry about. I can't find the I can't find the, the tweet. Uh, I'll keep looking through her profile, but I, I remember seeing that she tweeted something about it. Mm. No. Um, just, uh, okay, just she says, yeah, it, it, it actually came from Preston Pish, and he says, Senator Warren and 104 members of Congress wrote a letter to the president about their concerns that crypto financing was financing terror. Then FinCEN published a, a major policy initiative in what appears to be a coordinated, uh, a coordinated effort. So there was, there was a FinCEN... Um, Hold on a second. Uh, trying to see what what exactly it is, but FinCEN obviously published something, and that something has is is very 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 restricting. And it says the U.S. Financials Crime Enforcement came out of the proposal for special measures regarding convertible virtual currency mixing and labeled it a, a primary money laundering concern. Based on all information contained in the FinCEN proposal, it opens the door for expansive policy to infringe the rights of individuals. For example, increased surveillance and, p- and potential loss of privacy subject, could subject individuals running Bitcoin full nodes to unprecedented security. They may find themselves burdened with regulatory requirements that are not only onerous but infringe on their personal on their personal privacy and 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 the privacy of users transacting through their nodes. So uh, he's talking specifically around the Bitcoin thing, but I think it's actually around all custodial, all non-custodial wallets. Um, I think we back yeah, here. Yeah, so this would, um, Ren, this one would affect you. So, for example, 